Let's take a moment and pray. Lord, um, it's always excellent to be in your presence. And Lord, you're always present. But help us to be more present. Thank you that you're meeting us in a time of praise and adoration. Lord, thank you that you meet us in your word that's living. And we ask that our hearts be open right now to receive the words that you want us to speak. Holy Spirit, come and work in us and through us so that we can be transformed because we want to leave here different from the way that we came in as a result of meeting with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in week four of the series in 1 John, and I want to encourage you, uh, when you have some time, to read through 1 John. You can read 2 John, 3 John. It's a quick read. But we're looking at these different snapshots of 1 John to see the heart of a pastor, to see the heart of an apostle, to see the heart of one who's writing to the church. Remember, the Gospel of John is written to the unchurched, to those who don't know the truth, don't know the Gospel. 1 John is written to the church. If you profess Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, if you've asked him in your life, if you consider yourself a follower of Christ or a disciple of Christ, this letter is written for you. And it's one that John found incredibly important. It's 50 years of the church in its inception and growing, and, and, and there's uh, home churches opening up, and at the same time, there is teaching going on that is not accurate teaching. And, and he's writing to the church, remember, to not be swayed by false teaching, that the church wouldn't be swayed in any way by those around them in the church that are bringing these false teachings. It's also written to us that we would affirm our faith, that we have to ask a question, do I truly know God? And John answers that question in this letter as we read through it, but it's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Do I truly know God? And do I know who he is in my life? Well, John certainly truly knew God. And John says that for us to truly know God, there's some things that we need to recognize. One of those things that John had mentioned, just as a, a recap, that, that living that confessed life, that we're not justifying our sins, but we repent from them. And that when we confess our sins, that confessed life is a refreshed life, is a new life, is a renewed life as a result of walking in that repentance and turning and that we're, we're, we're visibly and daily doing that. John reminds the church that he was an eyewitness to what took place. That John says, I didn't hear this secondhand or thirdhand. This is literally words from someone who was there. It's a testimony of one who was present. John says, I seen, I heard, I touched. And he says, the word of life, who's Jesus, is true. And I'm telling you that firsthand as a witness, that we walk in light and that we would not be swayed by darkness around us. He says that our identity is redefined, that you get a new identity in Christ. And that identity now is a child of God. We become children of God. And if we are children of God, then we're called to obey the things that God's commanded us, primarily loving him and loving others. Now, as a pastor and as a preacher, I feel like I say that a lot. You got to love God, you got to love one another. John said that a lot. 
And the reason it's said a lot is because we got to get it. we got to understand it. See, our love is made visible through our love for God and our love for one another. That's where love becomes visible. Oh, you, you can't see God, but you can see the effects of God in someone's life. That our love for him and our love for each other becomes visible. It's a sign that God is present in our life. And what I want to look at this week right now is John chapter 4, that John reminds the church of two very important things. The first thing he reminds the church is that you have to test the spirits. And the reason you have to test the spirits, which is not these spirits, by the way. This is test the spirit. I've tested the spirits, Father. They're all good. Test the spirits of what's going on and you need to know the difference between what's true and what's false. And we live in a culture that doesn't know the difference. We start to justify these things. John says, don't wave, don't waver, don't, 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 don't let that happen, but test the spirits. Second thing, he said, God loves us. He says that God is love and love one another. That we would get these two things. So in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, he says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So how do we test the spirits? How do we know a false teacher or a false prophet? Testing the spirit has to do with the spiritual discernment that we should have, that we're knowing the difference between what is true and knowing the difference between what is false. He answers this in verse 2, and he says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. See, the false teaching at the time, which I said some weeks ago, was a teaching known as Gnosticism. And it was a teaching that was happening within the church. And what happened was that was denying the Incarnation. It was a false teaching. It was denying that God became flesh and dwelt among us of who Jesus Christ truly was. And, and they were denying that. Jesus was God and Jesus was man. That, that he, he came in deity and he took on our humanity. And today some groups, some, some faith groups, deny that Jesus is really God. Jehovah Witness deny that. Christian science deny that, Scientology denies that, Mormons deny that, Judaism denies that, and Muslims deny that. So if you're denying that, that's contrary to that truth. And the foundation of our faith is knowing two really important things that I keep kind of reminding us as we're reading through 1 John. And John's telling the church, you need to re be reminded of these two things that you don't waver in what is true and what is false. The first is the incarnation. That you can't compromise that. You can't waver that. Jesus just wasn't some spirit and not human. That, that he was fully God and fully man. That, that incarnation took place. That Mary gave birth to Jesus. Fully God and fully man. That that took place. Second is the atonement. That, that it was only through Jesus' sacrifice of him laying down our lives that we could be forgiven of our sins and have an eternal life with the Father. He could be the only sacrifice. So two things as a Christian you need to, 
to put your roots in are the fact of the incarnation and the atonement for our sins. To deny the true Jesus would be called the Antichrist. That means not Christ. That's not Christ's teaching. Anything contrary is not Christ. Anything contrary is opposite to the true Jesus. And what it does is it offers you a substitute Jesus. And there is no substitute Jesus than the authentic Jesus. And I'm so grateful that I didn't fall for a substitute Jesus. But that I know the one true God. So how do we recognize a false teaching or a false prophet? There's some things that we have to look for to recognize that. So John says, remember these things, know these things. I was the witness. But then there's some things that we need to discern, that we have to have that discernment as Christians. One thing is that we look for sound doctrine, that anything that's contrary to the word of God is false in that false teaching or false prophet. A true prophet or a teacher, lives a life that's following after Jesus. In other words, they're living a life, a kingdom life that he's commanded. A true prophet or teacher lives a life not just following Jesus, his kingdom, his way, but it's a life that's fruitful. It's a life that conforms to the character of Christ. What that means is what we read in the scripture about Jesus, it looks similar, not perfect but it looks similar. They bring unity to the church, not division. That it's unified as a result of that truth. One of the things that you look for the most, are they a person who's submitted under an authority? Is there an authority above them? You know, it's pretty scary what you can Google and watch and believe. It's pretty scary that we could follow different people and begin to believe the teachings that they have. And the truth is that there's no authority over them. They can just say whatever they want and people can believe whatever they want. And where's the eyewitness? Well, John says, I was the eyewitness. I was there. So I'm telling you this firsthand and it's true. And we'll test the spirits and know the truth in the lives of those who love God and love one another. That's where it's going to become evident. That's how we'll know. In 1 John 4.1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit or tested spirit, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out before you. There's a reminder of those things, and that's how we test those spirits, and we know that truth. We know those who love God because they love others. That's how we begin to see that that is evident. And in 1 John 4, 7 through 8, he says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Do you know why? For God is love. Drop the mic. That's it. God is love. There's actually a Greek translation, which I really love how it reads for that first verse of chapter 4, verse 7. We read, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. But actually, the, the, the exact translation for that reads this. Those who are loved, let us love. Those who are loved, 
let us love. That's the response. And that we're not commanded to love one another to earn it or to become worthy of God's love. We love one another because we are loved by God. And we have received that love and we have that light of love that we walk in. That's the transformation. And here's what I want to tell you right now. I want you to really pay attention to this. No matter what's going on in your life right now, I don't care what age you are, one of the things that the enemy will try to come and do to your life is tell you you're not loved. And then you know what we'll do? We'll look for a false love, an anti-love, one that's not real, and a love that we're trying to fill that place, that hole in our life, and it will never do it. So if you've got a heaviness, a depression, a weariness uh, going on in your life and, and you're struggling, what you need to know, it doesn't matter where you're at right now, God loves you in spite of all those things. Amen. And that we have to identify that love. Why? Because God is love. He's the very definition. If love is of God, then those who claim to be born of God and claim to know God must be able to love one another. That's what must happen and when you become born of God, there's something that is given to a believer. Something happens in that very moment when we become born of God. And what is this whole born of God thing? I'm going to tell you a little bit what happened to me quite a long time ago. I was a young man looking for something more in my life. I was looking for direction. There had to be a purpose. There had to be something else. I was 19, 20 years old. I tried everything else. None of that filled the void for my life. And then I was asked to come to a church, and I didn't really want to go, but I went in spite. I'll go, fine. I'll go because you'll just leave me alone. And I, and I went one Sunday, and I'm sitting there, and the gospel was preached, and I can't remember a word of what the text was from that morning. And then someone gave a little testimony of a life story, how they encountered God and how that radically changed their life as a result of it. And while I was sitting there and listening to these things, then there was an invitation at the end, like I do every week, because I want you to have an opportunity to respond to God's love. But something was happening in that moment. And as I was sitting there, Something was turning inside of me. Something was happening in that invitation. See, because I didn't believe God loved me. I believed God was angry with me. I didn't believe God would love someone like me, but he did love me in spite of me. His love never turned off. His love was always present. His love was always there. But something happened in that moment. I, I took down whatever wall that was. I allowed the Spirit of God to begin to meet me within that moment. And a weird thing happened. All of a sudden, water started leaking out of one of my eyes. I don't know what that was. I went to the doctor after. I said, I got a leak. Something's going on, doc. And I'm sitting there, and Patriarch Craig Bates, my, my spiritual father, made an invitation. He said, you want to know God, you want to know that love, you can meet him right now in that way. And I was, something was going on inside of me, and we were, we were in a different uh, facility at the time, different church, and, and, and everyone had their head bowed and their eyes closed. And he said, now if you want to know him that way, what I want you to do is just raise your hand to pray. So I'm dead on serious, something's going on in my life, and I put my hand up. And a minute later, someone taps me on the shoulder and says, he wants to pray with you. I said, I ain't going up there. Are you crazy? <laughs> I'm, it's me and God right now. 
But what happened in that very moment, what happened was that God's love was imparted in me in a way that I didn't know it before. See, before that moment, I, I knew about love, but I didn't know God is love. It, before that moment of allowing that love that was already present, I just was not choosing to have it in my life. So what did I do? I was looking in all the wrong places to meet that need of that love for my life. But yet it's in that moment that God imparts something when we're born of God, that his spirit becomes alive in us, and what he imparts in us is his love for us. Really what we do is receive that love in a way that didn't exist before, and it transforms us. See, as Christians, we're not just forgiven. We are born anew by God's Spirit, and we encounter His scandalous love. That's what happens. We encounter it in that moment. See, it's a love we did not deserve. Matter of fact, that love that we did not deserve, that we received in that mo moment, it outrages the rest of the world. It's an outrage because they don't have that, and how could we receive that if we didn't deserve that? And and we have to understand that the Lord, what he wants from us, the only thing that he wants from us is that that same love that we receive from him in that moment, we would return that love to others. That's the thing he says or he expects for us to do. And how do we know the truth that Christ is really in our life? We have truly experienced God's love and we're, we're showing that love to those that we encounter we read in the gospel today, which is John's gospel, which is a message to those who don't know that truth, haven't heard that truth. And he says in John 5, 12, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another. How? As I have loved you. That's what he commanded. Matter of fact, he says that when you understand this, when you get hold of this, he says your joy would be complete in your life. That we find true joy in that moment when we begin to understand the depth of God's love for us and how we bring that love into others' lives. That's the mission for the church on earth. That's what he's commanding us to do. It's not something we just keep taking and filling up for ourselves. It's something as he brings into our life, we bring into others. That we practice this. See, this love is not self-giving. It doesn't demand or expect a repayment because it's a God kind of love. And it's a God kind of love that does God kind of things in our lives. It's different than all other loves. Our love for each other will not be perfect, but it must be present. It must be present. It's not an option as a Christian. We can't hate one another as Christians. The world is filled with hate. Do you know why the world is filled with hate? Because it doesn't know God's love. That's the problem with the world. And we're going to try and fix it. A policy is not going to change God's love in someone's life. That's not what's going to make the difference. A politician isn't all of a sudden going to write some new policy that's going to change the culture. It's the love of God that changes the culture. And we're called to be an example of that. His church. That's what it's about. And if I'm lost online somewhere following false prophets, how am I following the call that Christ has on my life to love him and love others? That's what we do. That's what we're called to do. And we have to respond to it.
And it will be impossible to grow in God's love if we're not loving one another. It's impossible. You can't grow in it. Matter of fact, if we're struggling with loving one another, the only way to fix that problem is to draw closer to God who is love. See, if I'm out of love, I'm depleted of that love, that means I'm not with the Father. And if there's those around us who show indifference or hate, that means that they don't know God. But if I know God, and I'm struggling with loving someone else, I need to put some more God in my life. It means I'm not, I'm not back where I should be with the Father. Jesus says to uh, the disciples, no greater love than this, than to lay down your life for what? A friend. He says, I call you friends. And he laid down his life for us. We're called to lay down our lives for one another. We won't do that if we don't have that love in our lives. When that becomes realized in our life, when, when we've come to that moment and made a decision to, to, to let that love in, that God kind of love, let me tell you something, that God kind of love wrecked my life. You know how it wrecked my life? Do you think this was my plan to be here this Sunday morning preaching to you the gospel was not even close to my radar in that moment when I got an invitation to accept Christ? Wasn't even on the, wasn't even on the planet or the universe. I had far greater plans for my life. But when I experienced his love, I surrendered those plans because I found out my plans were pretty cruddy and that God might have a better plan. And that love radically transformed me. It was scandalous. Ask my friends. He didn't deserve that kind of love. Tough. That's the kind of love my God gives. Amen. And that's the kind of love he pours out. See, the Lord always pours in more than what we can put out. Will I allow his love to be poured in my life, not just so I can receive it, but I can bring it to others? Loving one another is not easy but it's our assignment. Jesus says, class, you have one assignment while you're on this earth. While you can breathe air, while you're alive on this earth, you have an assignment from the Father. He gives each of us one homework lesson. And he knew it wasn't going to be easy. So we have to do it over and over and over again. And we do it over and over and over again as we love one another, as we were loved by him. If we truly desire to see those who are lost in the world and bound in darkness come to light, we have to show them a God kind of love. This love to them will seem scandalous, will seem outrageous, but that's the kind of love that we encountered. The God kind of love transformed us, and it's the God kind of love that will transform the world. If we walk in a God kind of love, we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. See, it's, it's, it's the God kind of love that changes the world, but it's a God kind of love that has to change us first. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love, and Lord, that your love has no boundaries. And Father, maybe we're here today and we're struggling with putting that love back in, maybe uh, in relationships, in, in, in marriage, in friendships, in family, and Lord, we, we, we fail at times, but Lord, we need to come back to you, that you are that source of love, and we need to be filled uh, anew or know anew in this moment of that love. Would you renew us in that moment? Or maybe you're here, and 
and, and you haven't asked him in in that way, you haven't confessed, you haven't repented and turned from those ways in the world that you've used perverted loves to fill your life, other things that you were hoping would fill that void, but it cannot fill it. Only the Lord can fill it. So we have to allow the love in of who he is. We have to turn and accept who he is and allow that love in, and then our lives are transformed. It's imparted in that moment. But I want to give you an opportunity either way to pray. Whether you need to be renewed right now in that love or you need to come meet that God kind of love for the first time. So if you would, you could close your eyes. If you're watching online, I want you to participate as well. And I don't know where you're at, but I know that God loves you no matter what. And we have one of two things we can do. We can reject it or we can accept it. And my prayer right now is that you accept it. If you'd like to pray with me to just accept that love, just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed with me here in person or online, here's what you need to do. you got to let someone know. And the reason you got to let someone know, particularly us know, is because we're committed to help you on a pathway of discipleship so you can grow in that love, that you'll find God's purpose and God's plan. If you're in person, you can let us know on your way through. Let a host know outside and just say, I prayed that. We're going to help you. If you're online, you can go now, and there's a button that you can click, and we're going to help you on that journey. Peace of the Lord be with you. Just acknowledge one another with a sign of God's peace. Peace.